Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Hello, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for your intention to grow, learn, evolve, hmm. move into a consciousness that serves life. Thank you. Recently, I've heard from colleagues and friends and clients so much suffering around time and time management. And so I wanted to address time itself. Today I'd like to address three things in particular as an overarching theme, addressing the concept of time and what it means for a sense of spiritual connection and for the impact on your relationships. And then in three sections address critical concepts regarding time, the cost of becoming attached to this idea of time, and then three practices for becoming free of this tension of watching the clock. Hmm. As I was meditating the other day, I had a thought that there is a direct and inverse correlation between doing things on a schedule relative to time and our capacity to tune in to resonance. So I'd like to start there with this idea of resonance. It's an important word in the teachings that I offer and then also how I connect to myself, how I connect to others, to life. Resonance, such a beautiful word. That sense of noticing in your physical body, in your spiritual body, in your emotions, in all parts of you. When you hear something, when you're making a decision, does everything come together in a coherent sense of rhythm or fluidity, resonance? In circles of nonviolent communication, maybe we use the word aliveness as a similar word for resonance. I like resonance a little bit better because it implies a specific coherency of body, heart, and mind. And I propose that really we are meant to live from resonance. We are meant to make decisions and direct our attention according to that felt sense of the truth. 
Instead, we offer fi- we often find ourselves mm, ignoring resonance in favor of being on a schedule. That's the way a lot of the world is set up. Not all of the world. But that's a system in which a lot of us live and for now don't see a way out of. Spiritually, we could say that resonance is the ability to tune in to something greater than you. A greater wisdom, a greater holding, a greater love, however you define that for yourself, whatever words you put on that. And so I'm just planting this seed around, hmm, where does resonance fit into time? Right now, my sense is, is that it doesn't fit in very much. But maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later, a little more about that. The second note I want to make about the concept of time is that it's just an agreement. It's actually an agreement that we will use some amount of numbers to measure events between one thing and another. But there is no real thing to measure. And so it's a bit arbitrary, right? Apparently, a quick internet search revealed that what we have chosen to agree on as a physical thing to measure to re- regarding time is the cesium-133 atom <laughs> and set clocks according to that. So it's a funny kind of agreement, right? And we know intuitively that it doesn't really work that way. That our experience of life moving seems to speed up or slow down according to our joy, according to the diversity of activities we have in a given period. And that time is actually quite subjective. The last thing is that I want to honor and recognize that time's a pretty useful agreement when it comes to collaborating with other humans. And it seems to me that's its main use, to to meet needs for collaboration, predictability, and reliability, to have strategy, a strategy for those needs to be met. Okay. So that last one's pretty obvious. You already track that in your life, I'm sure. The question is, what happens when we're attaching to time beyond meeting those needs for collaboration, predictability, reliability? Then we move into the cost and bring compassion of course. (laughs) So we could say that time, this agreement of time alienates us from the natural rhythms of nature, 
of our own body, which of course is a part of nature, which then subsequently alienates us from an ability to track resonance, which we already talked about. In addition, because time in it is a human agreement, there's a further alienation from animals. Animals are not tracking time, although they are aware when their needs arise, right? Sometimes we say our dog tells us it's time to go out, but the dog is just saying, my body is telling me it's time for a walk. So there's that painful result with that with this alienation, there's a sliding into ideas of control, forcing, forcing animals and nature to try and get them to fit into a box of time. And then we have a form of violence, of course. Hmm. So time separates us, or our attachment to time can separate us from that very, very important truth that our, we are actually living in interdependence with all life, with forests, with oceans, with animals, with the ground, with plants, and so on, with each other. Pretty high cost around an attachment to time. A second cost that's easy to name with time is scarcity. Anything that you measure, the result of attempting to measure something is that it brings up an idea that that thing you're measuring is finite. Otherwise, you couldn't measure it. A little bit circular there. So regardless of some existential truth that time doesn't exist and so on, the fact is that the more your mind attaches to time is finite because we're dividing it or we're dividing something and attempting to measure it, then the more scarcity and tension is triggered. So despite the fact that in our agreement around time, there's always the same number of units, 24 hour days, 24 hour long units in a day. When your mind is faced with a finite number of units, it slides into this idea, I don't have enough time, right? We hear these phrases, I'm bad at time management. There's just no time for that. And so our mind starts to play these tricks on us. And it continues to devolve and slide into layers and layers of reactivity that you know so well. I'm bad at time management. I'm an incompetent person. Or I'm not achieving enough in my life. This many units of time has passed, hours, years, days, and there, and I haven't achieved X, Y, Z. Time becomes 
a standard by which you measure yourself. At this time in my life, I should fill in the blank. That aspect of attaching to time, to worth, to achievement, to value. Oof. There's a lot of suffering in there, right? Lots and lots of suffering is stimulated from that attachment to, to this idea of time. It's just an idea. Okay. And for me, perhaps the highest cost is that time can become a barrier when we attach to it, when we're too oriented around planning our life regarding time, it becomes a barrier to spiritual connection and awareness. One of the most common descriptions of peak spiritual experiences is oneness. I'm guessing you yourself have had a moment of slipping outside of time, even if you didn't call it that. A moment where you just resided in connection, in unity. A moment in which there wasn't an observer you. It was only afterwards that you could observe that you were outside of time. That's a moment of unity consciousness in which you were just in the experience, nothing else. Time keeps your mind and your awareness in duality, in the process of dividing life up. We can pretend to divide life up in units, but we know in our hearts that's an invention. That's contrived. It's not real. Because we know in our heart that life is infinitely complex infinitely flowing and any sort of dividing things into categories we do is just a tool for understanding the situation at hand but it's never a description of reality it's a tool for understanding or like we said a tool for collaboration with others that we have some shared understanding hmm, it's very important right I don't think we're in a place for giving that up. And at the same time, we need to enter into the sacredness of life and entering into flow and unity is really, really important for that connection to the sacred. Hmm. Of course, there's nothing really outside of sacredness. I want to be really clear there. Sacredness more lives as your ability to access life at a profound level. It's not about one thing, one event, one person being more or less sacred than another. It's about your access to that felt sense of the sacredness that is all that exists. 
So if you're suffering from watching the clock, watching the clock, how much time, I didn't get enough done, I don't have enough time. If you're enslaved by this concept of time rather than using it to serve needs of collaboration and predictability, maybe order, something like that, right? If you're not just getting those needs met with time, but instead it's sort of using you, then I want to offer you some practices for becoming free from the tyranny of time. There's something really simple that I'll just offer first. Maybe it's just a reminder. I'm, I'm guessing you probably already do this. The importance of if you take a day off work or you have a vacation, that you plan it so that you have stretches of days in which there's no need to look at a clock. You're not planning something with someone else. If you are, they're sitting right beside you. Stretches of days in which you can just follow a sense of resonance, right? Instead of saying, oh, it's seven o'clock. I should be eating dinner. You just notice, hmm, does my body want dinner? Does my body want food? <laughs> and if you're with someone you're out, someone else, you say, hey, I'm noticing my body wants food. What's your body saying? Right? There's just this practice of tuning in in a really simple way. Noticing each need as it lives for you without reference to a clock. And so that tuning in, that resonance when you live those days outside of time is about tuning in to really what you need and what would be satisfying, which is typically, though not always, different from pursuing what's pleasurable. Hmm. A more contracted state of pursuing what's pleasurable is craving. Craving and aversion I don't want this, I do want that, in order to get relief from something uncomfortable in you. So that's really different from tuning in to resonance. Okay. The more practice you have, one more thing about that, the more practice you have with allowing yourself to live outside of time, outside of reference to clocks, the more you'll be able to feel and tune into that resonance and distinguish it from craving or aversion. It's a practice. Okay. The second one I want to name is likely to be a triggering topic. Time and money. Oofa. We have, so I've heard people say, time is money. Oh, talk about stimulating suffering, right? That's exactly the kind of contraction around time that stimulates suffering. And coupling it with money 
a disaster. <laughs> I think it's a disaster. Because money is already a concept that carries its own baggage, triggers all sorts of alienation, devaluing and valuing, not relative to our experience, but rather relative to some external shoulds or... Yeah, it's a whole ball of wax. We'll do in another podcast something about money. But for now, really examining if you have there, time is money, or some small version of that, more subtle version. Oh, I encourage you to notice that first with compassion. How much pressure there is to earn money not just for our basic needs, but also for ideas of status or acceptance or the delusion that it will bring you security if you just accumulate more and more. And so with that pressure around money, we can collude even more by connecting it to time, and that creates more suffering. So... The practice for that that I encourage is that to when you're at a job in which they pay you, (laughs) that you watch for those moments in which your mind goes to, well, I'm here because I'm getting paid. And acknowledge the relative truth of that as it exists for you, accept that, and then take another step. You're also there because you want to use this claim against the world's resources called money, this other idea, to meet other needs. Maybe needs like shelter, food, transportation, Certain forms of play might might come into your mind. Mm. Caring for your family. Maybe you want to use money to contribute in a certain way. So you can decouple time and money by just going to the needs that you hope to meet by staying at that job and receiving money. You can also, of course... Depending on the job itself, it may be easier or more difficult. Ask yourself, how could you meet your need for meaning by working that job? Even if you're a cashier at 7-Eleven, there might be something you can do to meet your need for meaning if you don't think that job has meaning by itself, right? I say even if you're a cashier. Because I'm picking, I'm, I only say the word even, even because I'm picking a job that seems maybe simple on the outside, but actually can be very complex and meaningful for you. That might be a diff, more difficult practice, or it might be an easier practice because you're with people all day and you have the opportunity to smile, to offer kindness and connection. You get the idea. How can you create meaning in work? if it's not already directly meaningful for you, so that you're working for meaning rather than for money. 
and therefore decoupling time and money. Tough one, tough issue there. Has a lot of complexity. And I, with what I'm saying, I'm not trying to oversimplify a very, very complex issue. I'm just wanting to plant some seeds that I'm hoping might offer a little more freedom and a little less suffering. Okay, the last practice that I offer for becoming free from the tyranny of time is to shift your language, shift what you say. Words are incredibly powerful for reinforcing limiting beliefs and ideas about being trapped. So I have a few short phrases here that I've written in my notes about shifting your language. And I'm just going to read the phrase and then I'm going to read the translation. Well, a translation that I offer, right? But you could do this exercise on your own. You could note phrases that reinforce this tyranny of time in your life and this tension around watching the time and measuring it relative to your value or your achievement or however it happens for you. And then translate those phrases. But I I have a few of the most common ones here, so I'm just going to go through them. First is, I don't have time for that. And I have two phrases. I have a long one first and then a pretty short one. Instead of, I don't have time for that, you might be saying something like, Within the context of our current socioeconomic system, I haven't found a way to do more than work for the money to pay expenses to care for the basic needs for myself and my family. So that's that acknowledgement to the complexity of how money is living. For, For many of us, it's not living as a place of a lot of choice. Okay, the second thing, a little shorter and contains within it um, acknowledgement that you might have more choices or you're in access to those choices. Instead of, I don't have time for that, you might say, I have particular things I want to focus on today. Yeah, so you've already chosen what you want to focus on and what someone is offering is not one of those things. Another phrase, sorry, I don't have time, might sound like I'm saying no to your request because I want to focus on and then being really clear where your focus is, similar to the last one. Another phrase I hear a lot, there is not enough time in the day might sound like, I feel grief that there was so much I wanted to do today and I didn't have the capacity to do all of those things. I feel grief that there was so much I wanted to do today and I didn't have the capacity to do all of those things. A replacement for there isn't enough time in the day. Another one. 
I am terrible at time management. Might be translated as, I notice that what I think I should do and what I actually do and want to do are two different things. Um, Terrible time management could be translated as, I notice that what I think I should do and what I do and actually want to do are two different things. Another one, you never make time for me. Could be, I'm longing for more. Fill in the blank with the need. Connection, fun, play, support sex, collaboration, would you be willing to, and then some sort of specific request, go on a walk together tonight, plan a weekend getaway, whatever it might be, right? You never make time for me, translates into I'm longing for more connection, would you be willing to, and then a specific request. Another one, I'm really short on time. I'm really short on time could translate as I'm trying to fit more things into my schedule than I can actually be responsible for. Oof, I've done a lot of that one in my life. (laughs) Or I'm really short on time could be I feel nervous because I want to honor an agreement about when I will meet someone. So I'm going to leave now. So you're honoring the next thing. Okay. Time is money. Translating this phrase. I feel scared about security. I imagine more money will bring me peace. So that was a translation for time is money. I feel scared about security. I imagine more money will bring me peace. Okay, last one. I didn't have time to do that, or I was too busy. And here's various phrases that could substitute for I was too busy. Rather than attending to that, I was focused on fill in the blank. That wasn't a priority for me. Or I forgot. Or I didn't set up a reminder for that, so I forgot about it. Or, I was feeling resistance to doing that, and so I didn't. Or, I was feeling conflicted about that, so I procrastinated. So this last one especially is really highlighting that There's always 24 hours in a day, according to our agreement of this idea. And so when we say, I didn't have time for X, Y, Z, it's a form of denying responsibility that you prioritize certain choices over others. And being mindful of that, you actually bring a greater sense of empowerment to your own life rather than being a victim of, oh, busyness, right? Or a lack of time, this invented concept. You're saying, ah, I'm choosing. And how am I choosing? 
ah, I said yes to that person, but then I didn't actually choose it. What happened for me that had me say yes initially and then not choose it? It's asking you to look a little more clearly, to reflect a little more on what really goes on for you when you say, I'm too busy, or I was too busy, or I didn't have time for that. Hmm. Hmm. I'm dreaming of a world in which we support each other more and more in moving into making decisions based on resonance, based on what's true for you in your heart of hearts. I'm guessing if we reached a critical mass of support for each other around choosing our lives from resonance, the world as we know it would collapse because our current systems don't encourage that. Our economy doesn't encourage that. Our workplace doesn't encourage that, right? Our schools don't encourage resonance. I'm ready for a revolution. I'm ready for a collapse of things that generate suffering for so, so many and privilege for 5%, right? Hmm. I invite you to join me in this revolution of consciousness by picking a practice of allowing yourself to look for that sense of resonance inside rather than looking at the clock. Where can you do that? Where is this, even the smallest place in your life where you could do that? For example, walking your dog or going for a walk. Maybe you have a route that you take by habit with your dog, but maybe one night you could just go with resonance. Where does your body want to take you? Where does the dog want to take you? Going with the dog's resonance. You get the idea. Looking for a place where you can just tune in and say, ah, right now, not watching the clock. How do I want to attune? to the life in me and the life around me. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I deeply hope that it was useful, that it was a contribution to your life, that it radiates the respect and deep care I have for you, wherever and whoever you may be. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.